Welcome to the Your Life in Balance podcast, hosted by me, Sean Finnegan, and my co-host, Josh Dieter, where it is our job to find out how individuals within our community lead a healthy and balanced life. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the Your Life in Balance podcast. We want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, CrossFit Symmetry where it is their goal to help you live a more functional life. So you can check them out at CrossFitSymmetry.com. You can like them on Facebook or follow them on Twitter or Instagram at CrossFitSymmetry. Now, for our guest today, Chris Burke. Josh and I had an awesome conversation with Chris. He had a lot of applicable and useful nuggets of information, ways in which he lives his everyday life, something that I feel as a, at a time right now, start of the new year, maybe you have some goals in mind, maybe you want to develop some new habits, this is a great podcast to listen to. So I hope you enjoy it as much as Josh and I did, and thanks for listening. All right, welcome to the Your Life and Balance podcast. Uh, this is Sean Finnegan, joined by Josh Dieter, and our guest today, Chris Burke. I uh, just want to give a quick background on Chris. He was born and raised in Lubbock, Ohio. He was a graduate of Loveland High School where he played baseball, uh, attended and graduated Ohio University with a degree in education. He also obtained his master's in educational administration. Um, he's been working as a teacher and in, as a principal for 20 years. Uh, started CrossFit Symmetry in 2013 with his wife, Erica, and he has many certifications within that realm, including CrossFit Level 1, a CrossFit Level 2 cert, CrossFit Gymnastics, CrossFit Endurance, OPEX life coaching and OPEX nutrition. Um, so I think a good way to start this out, Chris, would just be, you know, you made a pretty big jump here in 2013 to open this gym with Erica, your wife. You know, what what led you to that? How'd you get there? Why did you want to, you know, inspire people to do fitness or coach people? What, what got you there? I think it was a combination of a couple of things. Um, I... I you know, I'm a teacher and a coach. Uh, that's what I started my career as. Um, and then as life moved on through my 20s, I started getting more involved in my own fitness. Um, I ran marathons. I uh, did five marathons and one ultra marathon. Uh, and then I kind of got burnout on that. I actually quit uh, in the middle of my sixth marathon, in the middle of a, my best pace ever. But I was so bored with it and hating every mile that... I uh, stopped at mile 13 and walked back to the to the start uh, just because I was done with it. Um, but I wasn't quite ready to be done with fitness, and so I was looking for the next thing that was out there, and I googled intense workouts, and uh, CrossFit.com popped up, and I started uh, doing that at the Y, um, just off in the corner, and people gave you crazy looks when you started uh, hitting the treadmill for a 400 meter and then running over the bench press and hitting max reps at that. and um, got a lot of looks uh, just because I was doing weird stuff in, in a typical gym. Um, fast forward a little bit, ran into a, a parent of one of the students at my school uh, who had a gym, a CrossFit gym, and she said uh, that we're always looking for CrossFit coaches. So I said, well, I'm interested in learning, and I went and got my level one, um, started coaching there, and really enjoyed it. Um, which I failed to mention, I got into administration uh, was a principal uh, after five years of teaching. And so I left coaching, I left teaching uh, to, to lead, lead people and uh, I missed that. I forgot how much I missed coaching people in my life and so starting coaching adults like started to fulfill this and it really invigorated me and 
Um, then fast forward another few years and uh, Erica, we were on a walk on a New Year's Day and she said, hey, have you ever thought about uh, kind of doing this full time, um, opening your own gym? And it, it like, it cut me to the core. Like we had never talked about it. We had never, um, you know, t- never talked about it at all. And all of a sudden she asked this question and it was like she read my mind. And uh, from that moment forward, we started planning what it would look like if we opened our own space. What would it, what would, what would our dream look like? What would our dream gym look like? And uh, it turned out um, a number of uh, months later uh, to be CrossFit Symmetry after, you know, a bunch of uh, trial and error on things. We, we opened up CrossFit Symmetry in September of 2013. And um, well, that leads us to, uh, to now. That's great. I, um, so I want to go back to your, um, when you quit the marathon, so the sixth yeah. marathon, because I don't think I ever knew that. And um, I don't know that you intentionally kept that as a secret, but just not something you go around telling people. So what have you learned from that? What has, has that changed and uh, manifested itself in a good way, in another way in your life, looking back, like, um, I'll never quit anything again, or I learned something from that, that's why I am where I am today. Is there, is there something you can look back on? Uh, or can you look back on that and, and say, yeah, that, that was a driver of where I am today because of this? Yeah, I, you know, uh, with age comes uh, wisdom of all the mistakes you've made in the past. And um, I feel like what I've learned over my time um, of playing in this fitness realm is how much play means to me. Um, and for when I was marathoning, although it might sound crazy to somebody who hates running, that was play to me. I got to go out and uh, put in my earbuds and listen to music or listen to podcasts uh, and go out and cruise and clear my mind. And I was working on improving my time and improving my form. And there was joy in that um, and joy in that improvement process. And in my brain, that equals play. Uh, I've always loved sports as a kid uh, or as a kid growing up. I love sports, but... I was never particularly great at anything, so I just like playing everything. Pretty good golfer. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a pretty good golfer. Um, but what I realized is that when, uh, and I realized this the hard way through the marathoning, setting a goal and achieving this, um, this just arbitrary time. I need to make this time or else this marathon's not a success. Um, having in the back of my mind that the Boston Marathon uh, qualifier time, I, that's possible for me, and I'm going to go get that. Turning it into a chore makes uh, fitness not fun for me. Now, there are other people that can absolutely do that, and I know I could have qualified for the Boston Marathon. It, it's like physically possible. You put yourself, you have enough discipline, you put yourself through that, and some people find a lot of joy in that process. What I realized for me in my life, I need my active, my movement, I need it to be fun. Um, I realized this through mistakes in CrossFit or when I first got into CrossFit. When the first CrossFit Open, I did pretty well. I was like 19 spots away from going to regionals. Of course, that was when there was like all of 100 people in CrossFit. (laughs) But I was close, and so that next year I made this goal of I'm going to make regionals. But make that next year pretty much not enjoyable for CrossFit for me. Every time I went into the gym, it was either I'm gaining or I'm losing on the competition. And every workout became a job. Um, And I realized, again, through falling on my face, that that is not what CrossFit is to me. Uh, Coming into a gym needs to be fun. Going out 
and uh, playing golf needs to be fun. There was a time when I took that too seriously and I was you know, throwing tantrums when the, the, the golf ball didn't do what I wanted to do. There might have been a few broken clubs in my past. <laughs> And it turns out once I like let go of that anger and just played, I played a lot better and I enjoyed my time out there. And, and I've learned that through error and that marathon, quitting that marathon, it's not, it wasn't a, a fault. Like I never, I didn't feel bad the moment I quit. I felt bad because I was stupid and quit at mile 13 and had to walk the, back to the finish line. I had to walk seven miles in, uh, through all the side streets of Cincinnati to get back downtown. But, um, I, I didn't feel bad in the moment. I just learned a lesson and realized, okay, I need to find something else because um, if, if the fire's not burning inside me, then it's not worth chasing. Do you, do you, like, just on that same token, you know, you talked a lot about, like, you know, one thing I draw away from that is you drew a lot of your own self-worth in those activities you know you saw yourself running and that you had to make the boston marathon you saw yourself in crossfit and you had to make you know the regionals and you know part of yourself and your own like you know view of yourself was reliant on making those things you know achieving those goals do you find that it that can be you know that a lot of people will do that in the fitness realm and that can be kind of a dangerous game to play um, especially if you you've coached a lot of people, you know, I did you do you find that it can that more people end up falling on that side of the fence than than not? I think it is always a slippery slope when you identify yourself with anything. Um, the moment we are de- identify ourselves as we are an athlete, uh, what happens the moment we get in a car wreck and we can't do the things that we want to do? Absolutely. Um, what happens the moment that we say we're we're a good CrossFitter and all of a sudden somebody comes in the gym and wipes the floor with us? Does that mean yeah. we're not a good CrossFitter anymore? Um, like so, that identity is um, I think just a really slippery slope that I try to avoid. Now it's hard because we all have right. we we put passion into things like we put for my for me I put passion into my day job I put passion into teaching. Um, what happens if I have a kid that doesn't like me? Does that mean I'm a failure? You know, um, so like I just try and have that balance of putting myself into something, but not having that label attached to me, no matter what it is. Um, you know, I'm a lot of things, but hopefully when I look inside myself, I'm just me and I'm doing me. So one question going back to, um, you know, you transition from marathoning and ultras and all that kind of stuff and you get into CrossFit and you've got an, at least an initial passion for it, it drives you and all that. And then you get into the mindset of it's not fun anymore, right? That whole year of trying to qualify for the regionals and all that isn't fun. Knowing what you know now and some of the things I'm sure we're going to talk about here in a little bit, um, would there have been a way to make that fun? Would you have been knowing what you know now, the maturity that you have now, would you have been able to make that year fun while you were training to qualify? I think would have made that, what would have made that year fun for me would be to not have that as the end result. Mm. That, is a fun, that is a line in the sand of if I make regionals, this year has been a success. If I don't make regionals, this year has been a failure. Yeah. Um, I was, uh, what I would say, immature in my development as an athlete and as a coach to set that as my mark I think what would have made that year more enjoyable was 
I'm on, I want to set a, a, a steep trajectory of where I want to go as a, as a CrossFit athlete. We'll see where that takes me. But in order to set that steep traje- trajectory, I need to get, I need to move well. I need to move, work on my mobility. I need to work on my skills. I need to build my strength and then take those three or four categories and move the ball forward in each one of those and then see where I am at the end. Just be process oriented rather than result oriented at the end. I think that would have made it more fun to me. Um, I will say, however, for me as a person, um, I don't think uh, if I would have just been training for that steep trajectory, I still would have think I would have burned out a little bit just knowing me. I've definitely known other athletes that put themselves through that ringer and they love it and they they um, that that is that is where they belong uh, for me it's just short of that yeah. um, because that keeps me from overtraining it keeps my mind healthy it keeps me recuperating um, it keeps me balanced yeah. so is there anything in particular even today that you might be you know something you're chipping away at but with that thought process in mind of hey I'm not I'm enjoying this process. I'm not trying to like outdo anyone. I'm just trying to outdo where I was yesterday. Is you have any projects or anything you're working on right now? That yeah, it, it's it's a it's a little abstract, but I've been playing with this idea of what does um, high level healthy fitness mean, and how do I age into my mid and late 40s as a really good athlete for Chris Burke, but being healthy in all my joints, being healthy in all my movements, not waking up fatigued and cranky, not taking away time from others, um, not taking away time from other parts of my life that need to be uh, respected and honored. So what does that look like? And is there a program to develop around that. Too. Right, right. Um, like, is there a way, and I know that there's all kinds of things out there um, that program for master's athletes and program for lifelong fitness, and uh, I'm not saying that I, uh, I would be able to create anything, anything new, but what is out there that provides um, folks who just want to live their, their best life and their most athletic life without constantly going into that red zone right uh if you're a competitive person and you like being the best version of yourself you always are tipping into that red zone um and it's good i think to dip your toe in that pool every now and again but can you operate uh at a a level just south of that that keeps you healthy and feeling good and um, enjoying your peers and enjoying the, the camaraderie in the gym without it being competitive, without it tearing your body down, without tearing your relationships down. Yeah, because you, you don't have to go in and crush it every day. As long as you're consistent, you know. Like, I know in my own life I've been trying to, like, train six days a week, which sounds like a lot, but I don't crush it every single day. And I've felt fact, so much better. rarely crush it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I, well, I don't push myself to the absolute brink, you know. Yeah. And it definitely feels a lot better. But going on a tangent there but um no i think that's awesome i think much more people would kind of take a page out of that because there's a lot of merit to just being able to do what you want and not feel aches pains soreness 
you know, get out of bed easily. So, And again, I think that is the benefit of being in this game. I've been in the CrossFit world for 10 years now. Uh, and so I've run up against that red line. I've run up against that wall yeah. multiple times. Even when I've just tried to make it as play, there were times in my life where like, hey, play meant coming into the gym for doubles uh, in the summer because I'm off during the summer and I'm going to do doubles three times a week <laughs> because I got the time. And, well, that, that didn't work. My body started breaking down. That's when I start, to, you know, I, I, when I get fatigued, I hurt my back. Uh, it is a thing that is chronic for me that as soon as I start overtraining, that's the thing that hurts. Um, but as I get older, the better I am listening at things and the better I am at refining it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I'd love to dig into uh, a few of the things that we haven't talked about yet, but that you've kind of uh, given us some information on. That one thing that you have is your five points of uh, to live a balanced life, which are forward momentum slash stress management, nutrition, sleep, relationships, and movement. And um, I think we've probably indirectly talked about those already in one way, shape, or form, but um, I think it'd be fun to learn a little bit more on each of those and hear you, what, what, how you define those, how you, uh, how, those, how you manage your life according to those, those five points. And pick, pick anyone to start with or what, you know, go down the line. Yeah, so I, I listed out for you guys the things that I, I think uh, are part of a balanced life and that, that as part of me living a balanced life is honoring these five parts. Um, maybe I'll start with one that is, uh, seems a little ambiguous, forward momentum slash stress management. Um, I believe that for us to live a fulfilled life, we have to be moving in a direction. Um, we have yeah. to be chasing something. Uh, we have to be learning something new. We have to be setting our sights on some horizon that we that we want to achieve now with that there's a balance that um, you can't just be uh, constantly working constantly forward momentum all the time and, and constantly working on these goals and then because if you do that um, you are going to be cheating other parts of the of the balanced life and you're probably adding a lot of stress to your life and stress doesn't just manifest in oh I feel stressed out today so I'm in a bad mood it, it puts chemicals in your bodies uh, or produ- our bodies produce chemicals when we're stressed that have serious negative effects. Um, you know, I, I, I am only partially uh, decently read when it comes to, comes to that, but just the things that I've read, it makes me realize that I don't want the things that uh, are associated with chronic stress, um, whether it be the physical manis- manifestations, the emotional manifestations, the relationship manifestations, like I need to avoid that. So what type of stress management can I implement in my life? And so to still be pushing forward on things, to still be working myself hard, but then balancing that with not being, you know, knowing when to quit, knowing when to shut it down, knowing when to turn things off, knowing when to turn my brain off. Um, so I have that balance there. So that's, that's one of them. And that's awesome because so many people, like, you know, we talk about Jocko from time to time, want to, like, grind until, you know, the sun comes up and, you know, I got to always be waking up early. But it seems like you've kind of understood you know what your gauge is you know do you find that that just has come from you know trial and error for the most part yeah trial and error. i think there's a spectrum of people out there like jocko is at the one end of things uh, a guy who can get up at four in the morning every day and go to sleep at 11 or 11 30 at night and pack his day full of 
physical activity, learning activity, business activity, uh, MMA activity, and then rinse and repeat and do it again. And then there's other people that need uh, to really function well, need 10 hours of sleep a day, and they need a low uh, forward momentum uh, because that's just where they're at. Um, I did try to uh, emulate Jocko for a little bit. I was getting up early. In fact, when um, I wrote our little mini digital book on nutrition, I got up every morning at uh, quarter till four and wrote for about an hour and 15 minutes before anybody got up in my in my house. And I burnt that candle so bad, like I, I was a wreck. Like that, that, wasn't, that wasn't a balance for me. And so it is trial and error. And yeah. Um, my stress management is going to be different than yours, Sean, and yours, Josh's, and everybody out there. We're going to have our own rhythm, and so you have to find your rhythm. You have to honor what makes you tick. I can't be Jocko. i got to be Chris Burke. That's, um, that's such a good you know, point. And just we, like, I can't, like my wife Erica, she has her own thing. I can't be Erica Burke. i got to be Chris Burke, and we have to learn how to work with each other on that. you got to honor that too, right? Yeah. Like that other person, especially when it's your spouse or your kids and if you're a go-go person and they're not, you can't be. It's a good point. Yeah. Right? You can't be on top. You can't be on Erica and be like, look, let's, let's, we got to keep moving. We got to keep moving forward. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Cause you're going to burn her out. Or if it's vice versa, if she's the go-go and you're the, Hey, I need my hour after work every day before I, you know, get into dad mode or husband mode or workout mode or whatever that is. You know, so the, it probably plays a big part in relationships as well. Absolutely. Uh, like, and we can kind of go into relationships as well, but like if you want to create resentment in your life real quick, place your values on other people and, and ask <laughs> right. them to live up to your values. That's right. That's great. Um, I think communicating what your values are, it can be very hard to do, uh, whether it be a spousal relationship or just friends or coworkers, you have to communicate those values. Like, this is how I run. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna be respectful of how you run, and we're gonna try not to step on each other's toes, and we're hopefully gonna come to the middle on some things, but. I've learned, uh, you know, both as, as a as a victim, and I'll put that in quotation marks, but also as the person putting my values on other people, it just doesn't work. Right. Uh, everybody has to live by their own um, their own system. Yeah. Um, and then, so just to go into relationships, uh, I think relationships are, are are important. We are social beings. Um, if we are stuck in our silo too long, I think that's unhealthy. Yeah. Uh, I think we need to get out and we need to look at, uh, you know people in the eye, we need to talk to them face to face. I think that's why this gym is so important. It's so important in so many people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, I think only probably 10, 20% of the people come here for the workout. I think 80% <laughs> yeah. of them come for uh, the friends that they've yeah, made. Absolutely. Um, because it helps move their life forward. It gives their life value. Right. And so whatever the relationships are in your life, you gotta find them, you gotta find which, what relationships add value to your life. Uh, what relationships don't add value and find those ones that add value and get more time with that. Uh, Spend more quality time, ask deeper questions, go to deeper conversations, uh, and life just gets richer that way. Do you have, do you have a suggestion that you could give people that um, are like, man, I'm just not good with relationships. I'm not good at being vulnerable. I'm not good at digging deeper. Or I don't have a CrossFit gym to just just go to, and you know, where I have you know a lot of good friends. Plug into a community or something, right? Yeah, that's. I mean, community is one of the one of the reasons that CrossFit has been so successful, right? Successful, right? Is because these gyms have done a great, and the owners have done an awesome job of building communities. Like you said, the workouts are one thing. I could do the workout in my garage, though. 
right? I yeah. pull symmetries workout every morning on mm-hmm. the website or go to, you know, uh, comp train or whatever it is and I could pull off the workout do it in my garage but there's a reason that we keep coming in here and I think you're right is the fact that we're it's because of the community so for somebody who doesn't have that community option or somebody that has troubles like diving into relationship uh, more being vulnerable or whatever is there any if that maybe that wasn't an that isn't an issue for you or wasn't an issue for you but it is there any recommendations or suggestions that you could give to people to help them yeah, um, I wouldn't say that this is, that has been an issue for me, but when I think about that question, I, I go back to the spectrum of people. Uh, again, like there are people that need lots of people in their life and lots of relationships. They're very social beings. And then there are others uh, that need uh, very, very few relationships in their life, but they do need a few. And they, um, That's a good point. What I would say is if you're one of those people that, has a small circle of friends, but you you are you are close with those small circle of friends. Invest in those folks. Um, if you feel if you look into your soul and you feel like something's missing, you need to go find your tribe. Go find your community, and that's gonna be putting yourself out there. Uh, but something that um, I heard uh, at some point along the way, and it's something I tell my kids. Um, you know, it might be daunting to join something new or try something new, but when you feel those butterflies in your stomach that means you're about to grow and it's probably a direction you need to step towards, uh, not away from. Uh, when, when you have those butterflies, or when I have those butterflies, it's a signal to me, as long as I take a look at it and say, all right, is this a risk for my life or not a risk for my life, then if it's a good risk, step towards it. Like, even if it fails, even if, even if it's a disaster, I'm gonna learn something from it. So I would just encourage those people, if you're interested in, you have the slightest bit of interest in something, go give it a whirl. Be vulnerable. Like the worst thing that's going to happen is you're not going to enjoy it. You don't ever have to show up again. Right. Yeah, that's one of the things that I've that I've, I've the one of the lines that I've used from CrossFit is being comfortable in the uncomfortable. Right. And so you can you can use you can use that tagline in every aspect of your life. And regardless if you're on one side of the spectrum or the other, using your example, but um, you can use that in work. You can use that in friendship. You can use that when you come into the gym. And like we were just talking about with our daughters is that, you know, how uncomfortable do you want to be? How hard do you want to work? And you can take that to relationships as well, right? Is kind of put yourself out there. And if you feel those butterflies, you're probably doing something right, not wrong. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, So like kind of on that same token too, um, you know, you talk about finding a community. You know, I think a burning question, I, you know, I hear it all the time. People talk about finding their passion or finding, you know, their meaning in life. You know, A, do you believe in that? And B, you know, how would you advise anyone? You know, you're a teacher now. How did you, I guess it's a multi-part question, but how did you find that? And how would you advise anyone else to find a similar path where they look forward to getting up and getting to work every day um, and, and doing something that energizes them? I would say if you asked me this question 10 years ago, I would have said, yeah, absolutely. You got to find your passion. Um, I would say after a little bit of life from uh, between now and then, I would say I would just refine that, that you need to define what your values are, what your what's most important in your life, um, and then honor those values. And if you chase those values, you will live a fulfilled life. Um, I think throwing around the term of you got to find your passion 
makes a lot of people think like I should be working in the field that makes me happy and joyous all day long. Yes. Um, that I think if you're just happy all day long and floating along, that doesn't lead to a very fulfilled life. Um, and frankly, we're not all going to have the job that absolutely makes us happy all the time. Um, I'm still waiting for the Cincinnati Reds to call me to play third base. <laughs> so, but I think if you align your value system, and I'm talking about things like family, physical fitness, money, um, relationships, there's all kinds of values out there that, uh, of what is most important. And when you look in family, uh, spouse, children, like really one of those is going to be above the other in terms of your value system. Um, and so for me, what I started realizing is uh, that when you chase your passion or when you live a passion life or a fulfilled life, if you honor what's most important, and let's say family is my most important, therefore providing for my family is most important, therefore I'm going to go to this job that I feel okay about. But that's all right because I know that the income from that allows me to support my family and that means the world to me. Uh, or if somebody travel is a, is a big value. So they are willing to sacrifice other things in their life so they can honor that traveling the world. For me, physical fitness is very high up, um, or at least movement, I would say. Yeah. Uh, and I know that if I don't honor the movement in my life on a fairly regular basis, my relationships suffer, I'm a worse dad, I'm not as happy at work, and so I need to make sure that I move because that's just a value up for me that is way up high and so for me to live a fulfilled life I have to take care of myself physically um, and then everything else falls in the line that doesn't make me a bad person no. that my family isn't number one or making the most amount of money isn't the number one um, it's just how my it's, it's how I'm wired it's how I'm hardwired um, and I've come to to know over time that if I take care of those things I can take care of the things below it um, at, at, a, at a higher level than if I place them above physical fitness. Yeah, that's a good point. I think a lot of people get that mixed up. It's like you listen to like Gary Vee or anyone else, anyone that's like a big influence these days, they're like, you got to try a lot of stuff and find your passion, find you know your path. But that's a really cool per perspective change of just know who you are really well and then, you know, and then, and then find your path after that. So, you know, how did you kind of get to that point of knowing yourself that that's, you know, your value system is something you have to place first, I guess. I, I would say that's just through education. Yeah. Like my own personal exploration on things. Uh, there's so many books, podcasts, like the world, the world's information is all, all out there for all of us. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I'm, I'm interested in those things. I'm interested in what makes humans tick and what buttons to push. And, um, and so like, that's a lot of the, the, the reading that, that I've done. It's a lot of the podcasts I listen to. And as I think about that and I've aligned myself, I've gone through the, uh, as you guys mentioned earlier, the, the life coaching module from OPEX, um, like all of that, like helped point me in this direction. And so that's probably where I would say, I mean, books that I have read in the past have, have really added to that. Um, and then recently in the last five years, podcasts have been yeah. uh, 
a main part of my mm -hmm. education. Um, so let's. I, I want to. I want to stay on point a little here with with sure. your five points uh, of a balanced or honoring those those five points of a balanced life. And so I think we've hit a couple of them here. Um, um, but let's let's go let's go into nutrition. You know, you just made the point a little bit ago that you had um, written uh, the book and all of that. And so tell us uh, about that and tell us about your thoughts on nutrition and how that, how nutrition plays a part in your life. Well, I think it's, uh, again, all, all the, the spokes on this wheel hold equal weight. Um, and I've learned that through time as well. Like as I started getting more into coaching and, and well, more into CrossFit and then more into coaching CrossFit, uh, a lot of people... I, still feel they have the misnomer that you can out outwork a, a bad diet um, and it just doesn't happen um, it, it's the conversation that you have to have with some athletes when they ask what why, why am I not losing weight I've been coming to class five days a week well first question is well I asked them first how you sleeping right. and then secondly what are you eating right um, and so I, I, I that's it's been a slow journey for me on on nutrition I would say that it I, it's an it's a interest. I wouldn't say I nerd out on it. Um, in fact, I would say I go a little away from nerding out on it. That I just think, if I mainly make the right choices on what I put in my body, I'm mainly gonna look pretty good and perform pretty good. Why? What has prevented? Or why don't you nerd out on it? Whereas you may nerd out on other things. Well, there's only so much time in the day. Right. And uh, when I picked up some what I would call really good books. Um, Gary Taub's Good Calories, Bad Calories. Um, I, you know, some of the others like of the denser ones are, are escaping me, but uh, I just start to zone out when it gets into the science behind things. Um, yeah. And it, it's not it's not as interesting me, to me. I'd rather pick up a book on, um, you know, how to set goals in your life, a book on vulnerability, uh, a book on habits, a book on uh, meditation. Uh, those are all way more interesting subjects to me than deep dives on nutrition. For sure. Um, I'm also a believer, and this goes into my nutrition philosophy, on that 80-20 rule, that if I'm doing the right thing 80% of the time, it's going to have good results. Mm -hmm. uh, that allows me to live life. Uh, that allows me to have a glass of wine. That allows me to have some chicken wings. That you know allows me to have some nachos or some of my favorite things in life. Uh, but if I'm having those things 80% of the time, I'm going to have problems. I spend my 20% just on nachos. Just on nachos. <laughs> All right. That's not a yeah. bad idea. Yeah. Not a bad idea. So, and then I've just been, so my question then has been, all right, what is that 80% of the time? What are, what are the good things that I need to have? And I like kind of zoom out a little bit. I try not to overthink it. Like, are vegetables bad for me? No. Like, there, I can't find any information out there that vegetables are bad for me. Uh, are fruits bad for me? Okay, I find a little information that too much fruit, that's a lot of sugar in your, in your diet, especially as we age, and it's depending how active I am at that time period. All right, I probably want to avoid eating lots of fruit. Um, from what I can find, now this is, very, this is a very controversial subject, but probably not in this gym, uh, what I find, meat is good. Uh, eating animals is, is healthy for you. Getting that protein in you is healthy for you. Uh, getting good fats in your body is really good for you. Um, you know, I, and by good fats, I mean grass-fed butter, olive oil, coconut oil, uh, nuts, uh, you know, all kinds of, of, of nuts, avocados. Um, and I just try and eat that most of the time. I don't, I, it's not rocket sciences around the house. It's probably annoying. Actually, I know it's annoying to my <laughs> wife that I can, I can be pretty regimented and eat 
pretty much the same thing every week. Yeah. Uh, but it works for me. It's simple. Um, and I, and I uh, thank the Lord that I'm able to just turn my brain off and eat sometimes and not always have to be um, uh, satisfied with the, the, the taste of everything. Like, it's right. got to taste good. I need something that tastes delicious right now. Right. Uh, I, don't, you know, I don't have to crave something sweet. I don't have to crave something salty. And I think the more that you feed that monster, the more it asks for more. So, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, gosh, if you, start, if, you, if you eat a pretty well-balanced diet or, uh, in nutrition and whatnot, and you uh, reduce the amount of sugar that you're intaking over a long period of time, once you go back to that sugar, the sugar doesn't taste the same. Right. Right? And like you said, your body doesn't crave that anymore. Right. Yeah. So um, it's definitely doable. I've heard sure. it takes like 90 days, I think is the number I heard, to kind of... Get rid of that craving. Don't quote me on that, folks, but... (laughs) (laughs) 90 days. That's what I hear, at least. So, I mean, you see the 90-day fads all the time, so, you know. Well, and the same with those diets, like uh, so many of the diets that have come around. They they work, and um, I think you can't think of them as short-term fixes, though. Like, uh, we've definitely done paleo, like strict paleo in our house, and uh, strict primal, there's a little bit of difference between paleo and primal and uh, we've done keto in our house and um, we haven't done them as fad diets we've done them as just testing things out Uh, we've definitely been uh, I'm a pretty big fan of intermittent fasting but I also kind of let that uh, drift a little bit um, and it doesn't seem to be negatively affecting me I think it all works within balance Uh, it's but then to me that's what makes me what makes more sense to just zoom out a little bit and look at the general things that I'm putting in my body and what to avoid. Mm-hmm. Avoid those, com- you know, those carbohydrates that are just processed foods. Avoid that stuff. Any as much natural stuff as you can. Uh, I've made a goal that in this calendar year to put vegetables at every meal that I eat. And pretty much you know, 97% of the time, I've probably hit that. And that's good for me. So I eat my vegetables, and I usually add good, good fats to that, either olive oil, coconut oil, or butter. And then I have a meat with it. Eat enough of it, I'm full. Moving on. Does jalapenos on your nachos count? Uh, as long as <laughs> and if there's lettuce fresh. on your nachos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. right, right. So let me, real quick, staying on nutrition, you mentioned intermittent, intermittent fasting. Yeah. What is intermittent fasting to you? Or just maybe define it and then what it means to you? Yeah, okay. So intermittent fast, fasting to me just means a, a, an extended period of not eating. Um, that can be as small a window of that when I go to sleep, I'm not eating till lunchtime, till afternoon. So that means if I ate last, ate at six, and now I'm eating at noon, I have a period of about, uh, let's say, 16 hours where I'm not eating. And there's been some research that that is beneficial to uh, the brain, it's beneficial to the body, it's beneficial to the way you look, uh, weight loss. Um, you know, so that, that's a shorter intermittent fasting. I've also done multi-day fasts. Um, gone up, uh, I think four days was as far as I got. Um, I did. Yeah. I, I did two and a half and right. almost died. <laughs> yeah. You feel like you're almost going to die. Yeah, we, it's just we, getting we, over that hump. Right, yeah. and, it, and it's a mental struggle. I tell you that that's the thing that fasting taught me the most was um, how much we are routine driven people. What? Like, the, yeah, yeah it, it, it was so annoying on those fasts when it became six o'clock in the evening or lunchtime at work, and I'm not eating. Like, not because I necessarily needed food, but because. I was bored, and that's what I do now. Right. Like, now I can't do that 
what am I going to do? Especially when everybody else around me is doing that. Yes. Um, But I appreciated it from, especially when it was all over, I appreciated it from the the perspective on that and the discipline it took to say, no, no, I'm not eating. Um, I'll take a sip of this weird tea. Night nighttime was the hardest for me. Oh, yeah. during God. the day, I can I can fill my day, keep me busy. But when it came to that six o'clock to nine o'clock time frame, and right. the family's eating, yeah. and that's when you start to right. go crazy a little bit. Right. And yeah. just going to bed. I mean, it's yeah. that's tough. Yeah. How much time left do you got, Chris? I need to coach uh, in, in three, minutes. three minutes. All right. Well, let's do so. let's do a part one and a part two. Yeah, we well, might. Doesn't have to do. Doesn't have to do. Let me finish on sleep for yeah. our. Yeah, yeah, finish, you know, on, finish, yeah, finish on, on sleep, sleep, and then we'll we can definitely revisit. Okay. Yeah. For sure. Because uh, I got a lot more to say, fellas. <laughs> Good. We got uh, a lot more questions. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so the last one is sleep, and that's pretty basic. But you guys might have some questions on that. Yeah. Um, I just think sleep is the most important in our lives. We have to rejuvenate ourselves. We have to recoup, and it's the number one thing that people cut out. Um, we, you know, the, the phrase I'll, I'll sleep when I'm dead, I, I think is, well, yes, but you're, you're, you're that, that time of death is increasing <laughs> as you, as you cut out the sleep in your life. Um, and so that is something that I've been fighting for, um, pretty passionately for about three, four years. Uh, once we got the gym rolling and we could trust that, uh, you know, this was going to be a thing for us and we didn't have to worry about it. Um, we, we really, Eric and I really started focusing on getting really quality sleep. Was that, was that about when coach Sean and I started coaching? <laughs> um, it was after we got you guys on board for about a year and we knew that <laughs> yeah. uh, we could trust you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, we were good. Yeah. Cool. Let's, let, let's end it there for today and then we'll get back with it in, at another time. But a lot of, a lot of good stuff. Awesome. Thank you for being an open book for us and yeah. for whoever out there is listening to you and us. Um, and we'll come with part two. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much, Chris. All right. Appreciate it.